0: Okay, we are starting. I will put you in groups of two, in pairs, in a breakout room, except for Mikhail and Kinu. And I'm doing wait, I'm doing it at the same, can you talk, Clinton, because I'm doing the breakout room and...
1: What Anglo is doing is forcing you to be confronted with a new skill called consciously using your sadness to create intimacy. And the question is gonna be the same for everybody, which is about grief, it's about letting go, about completing. Or not completing, but still being forced to let go because tick, tick, tick. The time goes by, and so another year has gone by. We we have to like a chance right now to share with another person for about seven minutes nonstop a listener who's only going to listen for the most part, unless they say, could you say more about that, or unless they say, <clears throat> could you let that get bigger, please? And then you get to talk about what you have not let go of yet, what's in the middle, what's a mess still, what how, what was so wonderful about 2022 that you would never want to go into another year. so. We're going to be put in groups of two. Any questions about this? And Chloe will tell us when to start and when to stop because she's a technical space holder
2: about that. Any questions about the question? Is it seven minutes each person or? You bet. You bet.
1: That's the name of a brand of chocolate syrup in New York City. How many people knew that? No way. Felisa, you did not know that? You bet. Chocolate syrup. They put them in egg creams. Anybody know what an egg cream is? Yep. Tor, you know what an egg cream is?
2: Born and raised North American. I lived in Rhode Island. (laughs) What what is an egg cream? What is an egg cream? Well, it's I've only maybe had one in my life. It's kind of like a milkshake, but it's got egg in it and frothiness and combination of cholesterol and joy i would say <laughs> and and you bet chocolate syrup all ah, right
1: okay yeah you guys you guys you know as possibilitators one of your environments a rapid learning environment is called new york city the bronx go in there find a deli and order yourself a pastrami sandwich a large dill pickle and An egg cream with you bet chocolate syrup. You gotta do that. I remember, what? I remember, I mean, how many matrix points is it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) 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 The whole thing.
1: (laughs) Is there a vegan version? (laughs) (laughs) No, man, you gotta, is it called expand your box? No, look, I remember when I was on my road trip, I needed to go to Kathmandu because a guy who was flying me in a helicopter so I could spray potassium chlorate over cotton plants in the Arizona desert so the leaves would fall off so they could harvest the cotton. And I was the guy holding the flag and he was flying and, and on each row. And, and then one time he, he came out and he said, is anybody here, the helicopter is still going like this. He goes, does anybody here need to wash their hands in warm, sterile fluid? And then he goes and takes a pee. He's this kind of guy, and as he's doing this, he goes, "I'll meet you when you're ready at the good old Yeti in downtown Kathmandu, which is this this bar that, that the guys who were climbing Mount Everest used to go to in in Kathmandu. And so at that moment, I had to go to Kathmandu and go to this bar. So going to New York City and getting an egg cream is like that. Should be a virus that you cannot kill until you go there and. Suck down one of those things. Sorry. Life is like that. <laughs> this desk We're
0: ready. We're ready.
1: Oh, I was, you told me to just fill in the time.
3: <laughs>
0: we can I don't get the hours. question yet.
3: <laughs> well done. I don't get the question. because uh, Excellent. Yeah, yes. I mean, some things maybe aren't over just because it's the calendar has another... Month in front, or another year in front. So, like, I don't, I don't get why. What I got was there are some things happened last year, and and they're they're over now, and it's about letting them go so that they make space for something new. Or,
1: well, winter time is winter time in the northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere, and so it happens to be winter time where you are. And so the, the leaves fall off, the roots shrivel up, the juice stops flowing, the days de- get shorter and the nights get longer. I mean, there's a thing that happens. It's not created by a piece of paper on the or a you know platform that says this is a calendar month. There's stuff really happening. And so in that cycle of death, possible resurrection, one doesn't know, but in that letting go time checking out your low levels of sadness, you know, down to one and a half percent big, really low levels of sadness. How can you bring that forward in a a way of being intimate, authentically intimate with some person that anne is gonna partner you with? Okay,
3: thank you.
0: You have to tell me. We good to go? Here we go then.
1: That was not nine seconds.
4: Maybe. I'm gonna
5: and Chloe, did you see my message? No. I, I just said I'm I'm angry that I clicked that button unconsciously and left our space before it was the time.
4: Okay. <laughs>
1: Chloe, you speaking or me? You...
0: Go ahead.
1: The answer to a different question. You. Still, the answer to the different question. But would anyone like to share anything about what they discovered in this experiment in terms of using sadness for connecting? Okay, I'll go, as long as Angela turns off her microphone. Thank you. I was really happy to uh, be able to listen or engage somebody in such a simple space. So simple to listen to someone else really be instantly vulnerable with the sadness. And then to listen to me and ask the kind of questions that kept opening up the things that I don't normally get to talk about in terms of being sad about the loss of my fantasy world or the loss of a possibility or things like that. So I was surprised to be so glad about being sad.
6: Thank you.
5: There's something about, um, sadness and yeah, communicating with sadness that like it's like the slowness of it. And just like, it's like I can really let in every word, every sensation. You know, there's like a, there's a spaciousness in me. And, and in that sadness, even now with N Chloe, but also in, other uh, times I've noticed that it's—I don't know if it's—it's it's, yeah, maybe it's like what you said, like feeling joy about the sadness. But it's just like the word for me is delicious. Like it—it—it's it, just like it's delicious to be in that sadness and just yeah, like just really being okay to be in that sadness. And I—I I don't experience it quite like that when I'm allowing anger or fear. There, there's something about the sadness. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
6: I want to say that for me, it was really nice to have just the 5%, because then I noticed the ones that are only 5% five sadness, and that was all, and the other ones that maybe I, I have 95% to work. <laughs> more and release that sadness and also feel vulnerable and say it in front of someone that I have no, maybe it's the first time that I see him and just say it without fear of being judged. Um, I feel like a really good exercise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
3: I notice that for me, with with the sadness, it's really difficult to decide to be sad. Like I can I can connect to my sadness really well when it comes spontaneously, but I had I, I found it really difficult. I had somehow it was all about regret, so it felt like it's totally from my mind, and it's. It's it, it It feels for me like there's something that it's just a, a kind of letting go or surrendering that comes from a point deep inside what I what I can't make f- with the sadness. It's different than with rage and also with fear. I have maybe more practice too or I have more access. But this point with the sadness I can't access with willpower. It doesn't work for me.
1: can I just give you a little hint about that that I've learned
3: it's
1: the hint is just to start with the story you don't have to start with the feeling, you can start with this story and you can pick almost any story and find the sad part of it and if you start with this story and find the sad part of it, you'll, you'll be there, you'll feel it because it's, you know, it's a true story because it's your story you know, this happened like that or did not happen like that. And as soon as you say the story, let the story lead.
3: Okay. Yeah, I think maybe also I have this resistance to believing my own victim stories. Like I've had this phase where I've just got so sick of being sad again because it was always this victim <laughs> thing. So I'm I'm over with that. So, But I'll try it. I'll try, let the story lead. Yeah. It- I'm looking at the
1: book. I was just looking at the book right now and experiment twenty-seven, which is coming up soon, is called Try Again. So it relates to what you just said. And Chloe, go ahead.
0: Mm. I mean the 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 part about the sadness being a victim that's a it's the part of the unconscious sadness. You know, that's the it's the grumman sadness or the low drama sadness. And part of the experiment could be to lead with the story and then find the sadness that's not victim-y. And, and, and try to let that part speak in the story.
1: Do you know that this experiment is going to go on for the whole week? You get to do this once a day with somebody and use it accidentally for a few minutes, here and there, you know, I'll stick to the sadness and go in there for just a couple minutes and let the sadness really come. And notice the kind of the imposter, they might try to rescue you, right? They might try to rescue you because they don't want to feel their own sadness. The experiment is just say, look, I'm, I'm sharing my conscious sadness with you about this. I don't need to be rescued just listen for a second and then just go do it and do that once a day with somebody during the week.
3: Yeah. I want to share another thing. I was, I'm in this contact jam at the moment, Well, I'm not now because I'm with you, but um, I'm doing this contact dance improv thing at the moment. And I haven't been doing it for three years or so. And I, I was, I was experienced that, experiencing that with getting closer and having this physical contact my numbness bar lowered so much that I started feeling the sadness about missing connection and about like the just the sadness of this melting of my body melting from from being more tense and it was the first time that I could like just sit on the dance floor and let Allow myself to be sad. I've never done that before in a contact jam because it was just not the context. But I was I was feeling so glad to notice it's so strong in me the the connection to my feelings that it felt totally appropriate and yeah with with the numbness bar going down to to feel sad yeah so that worked thank, thank you.
0: and Chloe, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was thinking about this call today and I thought what would be what what would be great or something like that. And I thought about some sometimes I just need some practical hints about how to navigate intimacy and in terms of not just having uh, experiments or a whole context shift. And I, and I notice sometimes that the, for example, um, Roderay, who's not here in this call, but send out a message in a group to a woman. And, and the message was, can you clarify what you mean? And he's a man talking to a woman and he says, can you clarify what you mean? He's going to get a five day like download of what she really means. <laughs> and because he's a man, he doesn't know that, that he's opening this Pandora box of this everythingness, connected to everythingness. And so, you know, um and so I said, I, I gave him the hint of saying, Well what if you ask her what you really want to know instead of making it a big you know a big thing. And he and he thanked me for just the hint, and I thought, God, there's things that we just don't know about that don't require just a a whole whatever book or context shift it's just some behaviors that some ways that we speak or we don't know about the the feminine facing the masculine or the other way around um to to know about this, and so I was just thinking about okay what what kind of hints could those be?" So I'm sort of opening the door that it could be a, a a bigger conversation, but I I was thinking for example about this sadness is that um, I I noticed that when Clinton goes into a liquid state, I I say, Okay. I say I'm sad about this. For example, we're leaving Vietnam and it's like, I am offering that we leave Vietnam. I mean, it was kind of my proposal, and and Clinton keeps saying, "Well, I'm sad about leaving Vietnam," and I'm and I can notice this part of me being it's my fault, you know. He's sad because it, I made him sad, and to say and and when I notice, I put that that part on the side and and be, okay, you're sad because we're leaving Cafe Soda or we're you're sad because we we haven't seen this part of vietnam or whatever and and then i realized how much i can like the liquid state can then happen instead of trying to fix the liquid state instead of trying to fix the sadness um so that's it was one hint that i wanted to to share about learning how to say okay for example Yeah. Thank you. Thank
1: you. <clears throat> I'd like to, unless somebody really has something they wanna say, I'd like to read a couple experiments. experiments. Anybody really need to say something like Julie, you didn't say anything yet.
3: Jean. Not right now,
5: thank you, I think it comes later.
1: Thank you
5: yeah, I will uh, kind of on this thread of <laughs> and something that I n- noticed and and it's yeah, that when Aunt Chloe was talking for almost six minutes, but it was the last sentence you said, Aunt Chloe, which was something along the lines of like you said like I'm really sad about not having connected with my sadness, but it it was something like that. it was later, you said something like that, but then you you, you expanded on it. And it was something about that sentence. And I noticed, and then you went and you started doing the, uh, the, the time, you know, letting people know that there was one minute left. But right when you said that sentence, I noticed I had been like kind of like this. And I went like, like there was just this relaxation in my body. And I realized that I had been tense before and, and something about the truth or of that sentence landing created relaxation and this leaning back. And I'm not going to, yeah, try to put into words, but it seemed important. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you. Thanks,
1: Nicole. Yeah. I just want to emphasize how tuning into our body's response that's previous to our thinking level is, has so much value for many different things how are we doing, what's next, Um, what's, what's possible, what's my decision about this is a big one. Because you can say, you know, we're leaving Vietnam in this case. And then notice what happens in five bodies. What tenses up, what relaxes, gives you a lot of information. Then you say the opposite. You say, we're not leaving Vietnam. And then notice what relaxes, what t- tenses up. That will give you a lot of information about how to make you know, big life decisions. Like who to invite to go see Avatar with for the first time, for example. Don't say a word about it because And Chloe and I are going tomorrow in Ho Chi Minh City. They have a movie theater with Vietnamese subtitles. it's a big it's a big life decision who you're going to go see that with you know because it could be really good or it could not be so good and what are you going to get out of it It changes people's lives so yeah on page 216 oh i'm skipping a few i'm going to to number 24 Number 24 is feed your soul. The experiment is, experiment to create extraordinary intimacy is feed your soul. It is not your partner's job to feed your soul. It's not your parent's job. It's not your client's job. Not your kid's job. Not your neighbor's job. Not your boss's job. It's your job. It is not your partner's job to feed your soul. In rare instances... And I emphasize the word rare. In rare instances, both people, in a relating while you're relating, require the same soul food at the same time. And, and then can feed their soul together in a project or something. Or can live in praise of the same you know, aliveness that's happening in their lives in the moment. You know whether it's a really incredible soup, you know that you're eating together, and you can live in praise of this experience that's happening right now. If some, if you both need the same soup at the same time, it's a rare thing, and it really can be cherished when it happens. But don't fool yourself about this, because having a project together does not necessarily solve more problems than it causes. Your partner may need totally different soul food than you do. Respect the different needs like you would respect your partner ordering liver and onions at the restaurant, even when you want to eat a Caesar salad. You know, so this is like feeding your something. Encourage your partner to get their soul fed and take care to feed yours. So there's incredible numbers of experiments for creating ways for your partner to get their soul fed as a gift from you, as a surprise package, as a de- causing delight, as mm, creating a commit, you know, committing to what they're committed to and, and making it into an intimacy experience. So because your box might be freaking out to, you know, go hike along the trail because there might be snakes and your box would be freaking out, but your partner may love snakes or want to go squish through the mud because it was just raining outside. So in any case, feed your soul. Anything about that? Well, good, I suppose, or bad doesn't matter 25 experiment 25 live integrity most of us freak out even hearing the word integrity our nervous system sends lie detectors you know lie detector reactions off the scale just seeing the word accountability just just seeing that word or or like impeccable or responsible, you just see the word written on a piece of paper, your nervous system can freak out a lie detector. I've had that experience myself. And so integrity simply means doing what you say you're going to do. I will put a new light bulb in is not an empty phrase. It is a measurable promise. People to whom you say such things, even offhandedly, take note of it. They cannot help it but take note of it and promises go into the soul, going into the being promises, go into the being and then the being starts waiting for the promise to be kept by the other person. How many of you, if you scan your being, have little gaps, little scars, whatever, where people made promises to you and did not keep them yet. Anybody feel that? So the experiment is find 24 of those gaps and go to those people and tell them, each one, you say hello, call them up, say hello. Remember when you promised to give me back this book, for example. You promised to give me back the book and you did not, or you did not do it by a certain date. Well, I'm breaking my expectation. I'm breaking my commitment. I'm finished with that. That's over for me. I am no longer thinking that you're going to keep your promise. It's finished. I'm ending your burden of keeping your promise to me about that. That's it. It's over. And then do that with 24 different people in the next week. Just go down, list those little things. Because if you don't end it, it won't end. Because they're incapable of, of doing something different than what they did. They are incapable of doing something different than what they did. And you are not. You are capable of sensing in your being those incompletes, those promises that were made, that were not kept. And you go in there and follow through. Just say hello. Remember remember when you said you would write this letter. Remember when you said you would pay this bill. Remember when you said you would fix the sink. Remember when you said... That you would take the kids out for ice cream remember you know all these things you just go back to that person and go remember that even if they don't remember you say this is what i remember that you promised and i'm just telling you it's over i'm finished with it i'm i'm taking it out dropping it in a black hole and breathing and then you let your, your being come back together again without that in it so it's a kind of a self-healing process All right, that's the experiment. So uh, if you do not do what you say you're going to do, or what you say and what you do are not the same thing, then they are not integral, it's not integrity. With enough incomplete promises, your partner's being-to-being connection to you will break down in confusion and resentment. You know, If you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, that creates this confusion, which is really anger. Confusion is a cover-up cover up for anger. That will lead right into resentment. And so the other way around, it's like when you're talking to this person, these 24 people on your list, you say which promises did I make to you that are not complete? Which promises did I make? And so um, are you willing to I've changed my mind. I'm not I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep that promise with you. End of story. You can tell them that also. So that's the other side of the experiment is check with them, which incompletes they have. Go ahead and
0: I notice lately that, especially when I say no to so- somebody makes me an offer, I say no, or I, and then I, I, I could fill it with, but maybe later or I will come back or I, I I, fi- I, may, I make a, I actually, tr- I make a promise. I make a promise by f- to fill in after I made a decision, I was clear and I made a decision and then I, and I, and I've started noticing how even these off hands promises are, are still promises and and so i've I've caught myself to say no and just be and just be silent <laughs> <laughs> or or say yes so yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, to do that, you might have to do asshole training you have to go to the website called Asshole Training and Practice, simply saying no, not filling in any gaps with fuzziness
0: and can I want to add something else about mm. Um, Uh, about this integrity is also, if I, if somebody makes, I notice it more like that. If somebody makes a promise with me and they complete it, but they don't tell me that they complete it, then for me, it's not complete. And, and so it's, I've really had to like tell people, will, you know, will you do it? And then will you tell me when you do it? So that for me, the, the communication is, is actually complete. When the person says, I've completed my promise, not when they've done it. Yeah.
1: This is collaborative communication. We haven't talked about that much, but thats it's called collaborative communication. And it really is incredible when you wrap up stuff like that, put a little bow on it. Beep, you know, you asked me to do this, it's done. And then it's gone. The whole thing is complete. It's great to do that.
3: I have so, some resistance to this, you know, saying if, if I didn't complete a, a promise, then to say, oh, by the way, I changed my mind, it's over, that doesn't sound very responsible for me. So It's, maybe- it's, it's a yeah. different, yeah, it's called accountability
1: to oh, be yeah. accountable. Okay. And it's like I made this. So you go through the two account. You tell the the account of the thing. Remember on March thirteenth, we were on a call and I said this to you. Remember that? Yes. Okay, well, I said I'd be done by this and this and and so and I forgot. I delayed. I and so I it's still on my plate and I'm I've just I'm not going to do it. I'm not in a place to do that anymore. I've changed huh. my mind. And and then they go, ah, okay, you know. It's like this happened or that. Happened. You're, being, you're telling. You're accounting mm-hmm. the account. And you're completing the accounts. You're balancing the accounts. That's what, really what that is.
3: So my part so of taking responsibility is by speaking about it and saying, like breaking right. the not speaking part. Like,
1: yes. Yeah. You're telling the account of it, and it may make you look like an asshole or an idiot or an irresponsible failure, but you say it anyway. But when you say it, it completes it. And it's, you go, that's how it is. That's what happened. That's how it came down. It went down like this. It did not get completed because I was distracted. I got angry. I got sick. I, whatever the thing was. I
0: mean, the the reality is if you didn't complete it, is it because you didn't want to complete it? Yeah. And so you're just saying, look, I lied. Or, or I've changed my mind. I've, I've become a different person along the way that I, it's not what I want anymore.
1: You know, people, when they're splitting up uh, relating engagement, are taught by modern culture to amplify it into some kind of low drama, like to, to manufacture some kind of reason or justification or... Hatred, or you know, so much hatred, you have to pay thousands of euros to lawyers to come in and prove that you're right and they're wrong, or whatever, to have a divorce or settlement of some kind, you know. And this is, and this kind of a accountability of changed my mind, or something changed in me is or something changed in you and be clear about exactly what it is that changed. And so th- this, this makes it so intimacy isn't happening anymore. This is, you know, and so because we were unable to be intimate anymore, it's over. And and, to, and then to be okay, you know, go, all right, well, hell, you know, I thought it was a good thing or whatever, you know, and here we are, this is what's going on. And then, then it's like there's respect in that. There's there's accountability in it. You might look like an idiot or an asshole or somebody who's gone crazy or off your rocker or losing it. Or but if you just put it on the table and go, you know, I thought it was going to go like this. I made plans, I, and then the, the bottom fell out. The rug got pulled out. The walls fell down. There are forces at work in our lives that are beyond our capacity to understand or be reasonable about there are planets that move around into different locations mars i don't know if anybody anybody ever noticed how big mars was last month it was like it was five times bigger than it was for the last 30 years and i went out one night when the fog clear i go what's that and i had to google it to learn that, you know, as the planets go around, this is one time in 30 years or something where Mars is the closest to the earth and it's huge. So it's five times brighter and bigger and redder than it ever was before in my life that I remember. And it was like, this thing has influence. These things have influence. The gravitational forces, you know, the being of the planet has influence on our lives. Do, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. All these things have forces. Pheromones have forces. You know, we go to different places and all of a sudden, and looks at me and she starts sneezing and it's not my fault. You know, and she just sneezes all over the place. And I go, God, why are you doing this? What did I do? She goes, well, I don't know. And like that. So there's things happen in our lives. And so I don't know. We have to be accountable for that. You know, I can't, it's not about being a victim, not about being, having no power. It's not about that. It's about being accountable and go, well, it's going like this and now it's going like that. And something happened in there and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that, but I've got to be where I am. And you have to be where you are, you know, and have gratitude about it. Thank you. So it's, it's really powerful stuff to live in integrity or, or, or deal with integrity and accountability and impeccability as a forces, as these huge forces, we're designed for this. These are archetypal forces, and we are designed for this. I don't think we try to be human. God, and trying to be human is trying to be—I don't know—something like a garbage pile, something like that, like an inexcusable garbage pile sometimes. And we call it being human. You know, making messes, leaving shit everywhere. Not caring. I don't know. Being human has this quality of irresponsibility and childishness and warfare and God, not caring and being disconnected. I mean, as human, trying to be human may not be the goal. You know. So we're, we have access to these archetypal forces of nature. Try experimenting with them. That's this point. These are these are experiments to and extraordinary relating. In the the experiment keeps going on. It says, if you do not do what you say you're going to do and what you say you are not going to do, these are not integral. It's not together as one. It's not integrity. With enough incomplete promises, we said this, your partner's being-to-being connection to you will break down in confusion and resentment. This is totally predictable and totally avoidable. That's the great thing. Being integrity in action builds more and more connection. This collaborative communication builds more and more connection. And we haven't documented that very well yet on a website called collaborative communication. And it's straightforward, it's practical stuff. And so if you figure something out for collaborative communication, please tell us about it, because we'd like to share it. Tor, were you gonna say something?
2: Sure, I just got back connected, had to change devices, but I'm really interested in the topic of collaborative communication. It's actually the core of my potential in some ways already proven value add. And um, there is so much potential for humanity. Dude,
1: dude, you got a job to do, okay? Give us a list, actions to, to do, actions to avoid, examples, especially examples, okay?
2: And when you so say this, when you say collabor- how does collaborative communication different from regular communication?
1: Between what was the first word of the second sentence
2: you asked about? So the focus collaborative and and regular communication.
1: Regular, yeah. Collaborative has accountability. Collaborate has integrity. Collaborate have uh, responsibility. Has that in it? Okay, cool. good. Thank you. Just send it on the in the WhatsApp group, okay? That'd be fantastic.
7: I I was thinking of, I, I was thinking about the word promise to promise and I think that that I would like I I um I think I don't use that word and I mm-hmm. I would I think to promise something is 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 um is like is almost like a deception because how can I promise something that is in the future, and when I have integrity when when I have integrity then then people then the integrity is in the space where I am, and people and people can sense that I'm doing what I'm saying, and then I don't need to promise something that i I cannot hold A promise is like if you um, if you if you have the money in your in your pocket and you say I have the money in my I'm money in my pocket you you don't have to say that because you have it and if you don't have it you don't have to say it. Yeah.
1: Here, here's the thing, Martina Ricardo. Here's the thing about promises. Promise a promise is a word action. It's a creation that you build with words, and that way it's magic. To, from the domain of magic, because there's this phrase which may or may not be misinterpreted, but it's abracadabra you know and if you in the Aramaic it means something like "I create as I speak." there's a few things you can do by creating as you speak and a promise is one of those and if you make if you make a promise and you keep it, then it establishes a new kind of relationship with the universe because it starts taking your words and changing them into powerful forces. But if you, if you say, I, I will be there by two minutes before three and you show up at two minutes before three, then the universe goes, ah, that's interesting. And so you do that for a, a couple of years. You just do that on and on and on. You make a promise and you keep it then what happens is you start getting a new entering a new domain, and it is the domain of making an unreasonable promise and keeping it. You can make an, an unreasonable promise and keep your word. This is part of your word changing your word into a force of nature, and so you go. I will have thirty people at, at work talk. For you or for myself, I will get 30 people. You tell people, I'm going to have 30 people at my work talk. or And then you do whatever it takes to have 30 people at your work talk. And if if there's this boomerang effect, it goes back and changes you. Because your box is freaking out. Your gremlin's over here trying to destroy it. You know, your mom is in the back saying, you can't do this. You won't make it. You won't make it. You know, all this old stuff. And you just go... I will have thirty people at my talk, and you have thirty people at your talk, and so this is a very—it's a—it's a cool. I I I invite you to experiment, everybody, to experiment with making promises and keeping them, because so that you build up this new connection with the universe, who starts respecting your word as an, a force of nature. Then you get in alignment with the universe. And it's and then you start entering this other domain of committing to an extraordinary outcome and causing it that it's not reasonable. It is not ordinary. It is not in the ordinary domain.
8: I have a question. Is that go? How does that relate to manifesting?
1: Not can, at all. Okay. Can you explain? Uh, well, I can explain it enough because. A lot of the work of manifesting as I've studied it has to do with positive thinking, has to do with fantasy worlds. It has to do with fairy dust. or I don't know. It has to do with these uh, imagination. Declare, you know, making a promise and keeping it has nothing to do with your imagination. So they're very completely different worlds. Thank you for your question. It's an important distinction. And Nicole, you were going to say something a long time ago. Go ahead.
5: Yeah. Thank you. I'm I'm having fear coming up about making a mess with certain people about um, you know um, cleaning up these or completing these communications of, of of promises that they have made. So basically, my question is: I would like possibilities for. You know, bringing this up with someone and their boxes, like, yeah, making a mess, like their boxes, like, I didn't do that. Or I don't know, other potential messy, you know, interaction. People,
1: that fear is a precious doorway to an emotional healing process. So will you just arrange that now? So look, I have this fear coming up and I, and just say, look, I want to use that as a doorway for emotional healing process with somebody Hold holds space for me for that.
5: I would like to use this fear as a doorway or yeah, for an emotional healing process. Um, who is available to hold space for that?
1: I see Ingrid and Eva.
5: So, oh, a- Eva. Okay. Thank you. I'll write that down and I'll reach out.
1: Super. That's a valuable thing to notice. Fantastic doorway.
5: Thank you. W- was somebody
1: else going to say something that we missed? Um, like, for example. Yeah, I want to say something.
4: Go ahead. I have a question. I hope it's not too intellectual. You spoke about uh, finding who? Uh, Clinton and Uncle, you you spoke about when you were in Vietnam and you met people in the street, and there was some kind of a healing created with people. And since then, I'm exploring this healing that is not an emotional healing process. So, for example, when when we fight and then there's some, we come together in and Gina, and, and, and there's like some sort of a healing happening. And my question is, is that just, we're connecting to archetypal forces, like love, connection, and, and I confuse that as healing or is there, is there like some, can you speak to some kind of a healing that is not like, that is not in a healing process that is being created and I, I says there's another like force at action there
1: yeah there is and it's not so fun to look at <clears throat> the challenge is don't fight for a year that doesn't mean have a big fight after a year it means forbid fighting in your connection forbid it because think- it's just scrambling food
0: Yeah. I mean, I just want to say this thing about we fight. It's like a fight happened. It's like some, you know, I'm not responsible for, like, (laughs) of course, like, no, it's like, no, my gremlin was hungry and I attacked, you know, so say it like that instead, but you won't be able, you won't, you won't say it because you won't fight.
1: See, the, the thing is, what you're experiencing and what you're asking about is the part two of the fucking fight syndrome. And so the way this works is you fight until you get vulnerable enough to be intimate. And then you have are intimate until your gremlin gets hungry again. And then you fight again. And you're using a precious being as as your primary source of gremlin food. And so it takes two people to do that. So you're both doing it. One person stops, it cannot happen. And so you're both feeding off of each other's presence or you're being as, as a central you know who else are you going to fight with because you guys are nomads or something. You know, you're going around who else can you I can't fight with anybody because I I'm not close enough to them, and so anybody know what we're talking about? This fight and fuck thing. Uh, Tor, hold on just a second. Door, what about that? I, I, it's real
4: for me. What you're saying, I feel that I when I shared that I didn't take responsibility for my gremlin. In action, creating low drama and air action. And so, what you're saying is really accurate. I'm, and it's gold. So, I'm afraid to say, but I feel that there is something more about this healing. Can you share more about healing that's happening between people without holding space for them? When you, like you said in Vietnam, when you're just meeting people and there's healing created,
1: is, is that, is yeah, that- it, it would be a distraction to talk about that right now because that's not what's happening. It's not what's happening. They're not really connected at all, those two things. So ask me again at another time after you've been not fighting for a month or two. You know, and then, then we can have that conversation so you can tell the difference. How do your fights usually start? Do usually Gina the bitch or Dora the asshole? Who usually starts? I mean, I want to say that
4: we're... We're talking about the gremlin a lot. Gina, wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. Gina, I want to hear the truth from you. Just tell us the truth.
8: <clears throat> um. Well, what just came up for me is when he said uh, not holding space for each other, because I see that we're always holding space for each other, and I feel like that's what I'm always trying to do. So maybe when we're fighting, it's um, i I feel like space isn't being held for me and I need to let him know that and hold him accountable. And he's not seeing it that way, seeing it as low drama.
1: There's these, there's this levels of responsibility and, uh, the beginning levels of adult responsibility are that the responsibility should be fair, that the, um, burden should be equally shared this is a fair kind of responsibility it's the first entry into adulthood is we're going to have it fair it's going to be fair now because if you look at taking care of kids or teenagers is it fair no whoever the adult is is going to clean up the mess of the kids or the teenagers that's not fair so when you get into a, a adult relating it's first try to make it fair. But Gina, you used the word. You used a fake word. It's easy to imagine, but is not does not exist in nature. Do you know what it is, Gina? Do you know what word you used?
8: Um, no.
1: Um is, is definitely not that word. Um is a zombie calling in word. We don't. So you used the word always. You said it twice. Always. I. We are always holding space for each other like that. And so that, that word is an imaginary word because there's nothing in the entire universe in reality that is always, yet we can imagine it. We can say, We can just think it's true. Like he never listens to me. He's always expecting me to hold space for him, whatever. It's always a never thing, these are fake words. And as soon as we use that word, it's a big red alarm that it's a gremlin using some kind I'm of force go. Sure. Oh, I'm not sure
8: I'm not sure I agree with you and I'm interested to explore different um, how it could be on different layers, like different types
1: Yeah, of you figure that out. And yeah. <clears throat> this thing about holding space for mm-hmm. each other, I'm not sure where you got that idea. And I would mm-hmm. encourage you to try something different as an experiment. Okay. And the experiment is hold space for yourself and radically relate.
8: That's and what so, I think I mean. I hold space for myself and/or hold space for himself, and then in relating, I feel it's responsible to.
1: Wait, wait, wait! I feel mad, sad, glad, or scared.
8: I feel. I feel overwhelmed right now.
1: <laughs> overwhelmed is a cover up for anger. Well, so just say, I, I feel angry because try it.
8: I feel angry because I'm not sure. And what I want to, say, I, feel, I feel scared to say that I feel joy that, um, that in being radically responsible, there's. Um, And part of collaborative communication um, is holding space together or, or in holding space for myself, I also hold space for another person. It's just a decision I make. And I have a story about that being radically responsible and being collaborative.
1: Yeah. Thanks for saying that you're going to check it out. I think it's really useful to start checking that out. These are energetics. They have to do, you start drawing bubbles. You know, here's Gina's bubble, here's Dora's bubble. When you're holding space for him, it's kind of like that. When he's holding space for you, it's kind of like that. And you're both holding space for each other, it's kind of a mess. And if you're holding space for yourself, then you can you can radically relate. And you can say what you want, ask for what you need, create offers, create proposals, accept offers refuse offers like that negotiate this is is... like
8: my bubble and his bubble that we hold for ourselves and we're centered and grounded and then we talk about holding like having one bubble like our, our consciousness is coming together and having one bubble around both of us that's centered and grounded
1: you might want to check that out i'm suggesting that's a wiggly way to go i'm suggesting there's some problematics with that, but just check it out. Thank you for using your hands as a diagram that was helpful to give the possibility of checking it out. Thank you. Thank you, Clinton. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Was there did anybody else have anything else about that right now? Yeah. I just, Go ahead, Eva, and then Aunt Chloe.
3: I just wanted to say that from what we were speaking about before about being accountable, I got that it's uh, I, my my good girl box mechanic prevents that. Like, it's the if I think if I said I will do something, then I if I change, then my good girl box doesn't give me the permission to say, well. I'm not going to keep my promise. Like, I'm not going to do it. That's out of the good girl box totally. So I manipulate me into doing what I said I would do. And then that destroys intimacy. So, yeah. And so this new possibility is, okay, I'm in evolution. I am in constant change. And I can take responsibility by talking about what's really going on for me.
1: And the wild thing about that. <clears throat> is that it can change every three seconds. There's so much going on.
3: Yeah, There's
1: so much possible, so much stuff happening that you can change your mind even after three seconds. You go, whoops, I just changed my mind about that.
3: Yeah, so and that, I noticed also I, I used to get so furious at people who would like take that possibility for themselves and say, well, no, it's just not what I want anymore.
1: Okay, and there's I... a difference. There's a difference there. And the difference has to do with what was the purpose of making the promise in the first place? What was the purpose of that? And you can start getting a sense pretty quick if the purpose is betrayal, revenge, under, you know, undermining, sabotage, you know, make a promise, and don't keep it. This is Gremlin, you know, can easily be Gremlin who made the promise. It's not a promise. It's a setup yeah. for, you know, a shadow principle. And so it's about paying attention to those offers. What is the purpose? We've got this device on your tool belt called a purpose sniffer. And it's so fundamental <clears throat> to follow the purpose. It's like follow the money but it's follow the purpose because the moment a gesture is made, the purpose is already visible. It's like when you shoot an arrow, as soon as you let go of that arrow, where it's going to land is already visible. And that's the purpose. So when you start paying attention, I remember when I started waking up about purpose and I just was going, you know, I was naming purpose in public when people would do something and I would just name the purpose of it and people were freaking out. Yeah, and It was just, people were just like, you know, that's not true. You know, you can't talk, you don't know this, like all this kind of stuff. But it was true. You know, the the purpose was a purpose. Ingrid, go ahead.
5: Yeah.
7: I noticed for myself that I do promises for the purpose, random purpose of adaptiveness. And I can be clear about that and say it. And I do so.
1: And how do you change how do you change the deal? I
7: I say that I promise something out of adaptiveness.
1: And how quickly can you do that now?
7: Pretty quick. Within a day. <laughs>
1: okay, keep practicing because sometimes you'll be able to do it within three seconds. Yes, and then sometimes you'll be able to do it as like I am about to make a promise that is to be adaptive, and that's when you have a choice about it. Yes, I will do that.
7: I promise. That <laughs>
1: we'll don't see.
6: Change my mind.
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yes.
1: <laughs> and Chloe, you're going to say something.
0: Uh, no, Tor, go ahead.
1: Um,
2: great Tor, don't, don't just
1: don't say um. Thank you. Just don't. Okay, this space forbids that. It's, it's yeah. a zombie. It's a zombie word, dude. Zombieism. Yeah. Yeah. God, zombies are. There's enough zombies out there. right?
0: Okay. But
2: I really um appreciate is, the support to not be a zombie. Yeah, zombie
1: zombieholism.
0: <laughs> I just wanted to oh, say that anonymous. Um, um, is a ordinary communication. It's not a collaborative communication. Um communication
2: cool. um, so I put it at the that. top of your list yeah I'm just writing that down it's not CC It is ordinary um, Jesus yeah. Arr, she, she yes. you just said it again sorry uh, <laughs> interesting the topic of fighting and not fighting Is I'm curious, is there an extreme of not fighting that is detrimental?
1: Tor, you already know the answer.
2: Yes. What's the answer? Too much not fighting is also unhealthy. Yeah. Okay, next question. Maybe it's not even a question, just clarifying language, Just when you commit to doing something and then realize that you're not committed to... Do-
1: Could you say I?
2: Okay. Please. When I commit to do, do something and then realize that I'm not committed to doing it anymore, then I like to go to someone and say or would like to go to someone and say I want to renegotiate this commitment. rather than just saying, I'm not going to do the commitment. The concept comes to me to to increase the collaborative communication is to say, I would like to renegotiate this commitment.
1: So what you might want to do before that is to look at the commitment and look at the part of you, because we have this zoo inside. We are an ecology of creatures inside of us, conscious and unconscious. And so one of your parts made the commitment now you've got another part going, "Ah, ah, okay, right. So do you know which part's talking, which part is revolting against the commitment? And then who's in charge? Who's in charge really? So there are points almost in every commitment. There's a point where there's a recognition of the cost of it. There's this, oh my God, I'm going to have to pay. Time, energy, money, attention, pain, effort, looking bad, making a risk, feeling scared, standing up. There's all this price to pay to make a, keep a promise, keep a commitment. There's a price to pay. And so one wants to make the promise, one part to be a hero, to be the savior. And another part says, you know, fuck this shit. What, am I an idiot? Who, that was insane. Okay. Those two parts do not have to live separately from each other inside of yourself. Through this process called self-observation, the great website about that, self-observation, no dash between the two, there's this practice, and you can start weaving those two parts closer and closer together. So the part that promises is the part that keeps the promise. And, And then when you start going, I don't want to keep the promise, the first thing you look at is who's talking? Which part is this? In in me, what's what's going on really, you know? And so, te- start taking that level of responsibility. And so, you know, it, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes do it no matter what the cost. You know, do the thing no matter what it costs, and it's a fa- it's a fabulous way to build matrix. Is to pay the price, even if you did not expect it to cost so much. I mean, when you when you made the promise, and that'll get you more in in contact with reality, with what is a real cost of a thing, what does it really cost? When I say this, and then that that will build matrix and make you more and more connected to what is, how things work, and that this is also establishing. A closer connection to the universe.
2: Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Martina, were you finished before? Did you? We kind of interrupted you before. Did you want to say anything else?
7: No, I finished. Thank you.
1: Oh, okay. And Nicole, you, you said what you needed to say?
5: Yes, thank you for checking.
1: All right, good. So Julie, is it now? No, okay, all right. All right then, experiment 26. Excuse me, experiment 26 for creating extraordinary relating. Rub her feet. This is an amazing experiment to be done almost anywhere and anytime for no reason. This extraordinary idea comes from a guy named Lazarus Long. He's a character from the Robert Heinlein's two novels. One is called Methuselah's Children which is a small novel and you read that first and the second one is Time Enough for Love and his character Lazarus Long lives 3,500 years often in the company of women obvious proof that he knew what he was talking about when he said rub her feet any questions about that
6: I have. A clar- I need a clarification clar- of the word. I don't understand what it means. Maybe language. Rub. Yeah. Which word? What it is.
1: anybody Can anybody define? Rub. Rub. In Portuguese or in Spanish. In Greek. What language? What's your What's Spanish. your mother language Spanish, please. Spanish. Spanish. how do you say rub in
6: Spanish. Espanol. Sí, si, Espanol. ¿Qué habla Esf- Rub? It. Arena, esfregar. Do you understand that?
0: Is es- what?
6: Esfregar. Purgar. No. I swear es-
1: to God,
2: no. <laughs>
6: Yeah, it's Portuguese. I'm trying.
5: It's Portuguese. Yes. I mean, in Spanish, in Spanish, we would say it massage the feet, so masajear oh, okay. Feet. Okay. okay. Okay.
6: Okay. Perfect. That's a and, good Rub is
5: like frotar. Okay. rub is frutar.
6: Rub your feet. Ingrid, oh, I didn't get it. Ingrid turn your voice, you. your mic on. I have a
7: question. Why it's not. Rub his feet. feet oh his man.
1: Feet. No, his feet stink. <laughs> you can't you can't <laughs> do that. His feet has he's got these toenails that are infected with some kind of fungus that makes a toenail grow all that you just don't want to rub his feet, you know. But her feet something about rubbing her feet. Hmm. <laughs>
5: Yeah. And it's like this thing, I don't know, something's been alive for me about just checking out, you know, how I'm perceiving like men wanting something, you know, even my partner from me. And sometimes even if it's like a hug, you know, even that can, right. It's, it's not just for me. It's like rubbing the feet, right. It is just for me. It's, it's like not about any, it's, you know, it's a, it's like a service, like you're you're serving your partner or something, and so that I, I I don't know that's something that I'm taking from it that I that I like.
1: There's
4: a great web, there's a
1: great website called Experiential Reality, and so part of rub her feet means enter experiential reality together, and this is a. Entering a domain like experiential reality is intimacy, and so it's an invitation. You know, it doesn't mean rub her feet without asking, like that, or without saying, "Would you? Are your feet? Would your feet accept an invitation to be rubbed right now?" <clears throat> like that. So it's not about skipping that part. So, Ingrid, what were you going to say? Sorry.
2: Yep.
7: For me it's something there that I like. She she is a queen. Show it
1: there's not enough movies where the people come and rub the queen's feet. You know, people just don't get this in Hollywood. Somehow there's something missing. But you know, really in reality, first thing you do with a queen is you walk you come up there and bow down and then you kind of rub her feet. You don't kiss, you know, you actually, you know, do these pressure points. There's 27,000 pressure points on the bottom of your feet. You know, that each one has a, a unique experience. All right, all right. Experiment 27, this is the 20, this has taken us eight weeks or something like that, six weeks to get through these 27 experiments. And we I skipped a few, I might go back to them later, but by the end of the year, I wanted to make it through the 27 experiments. I did not tell anybody except myself that promise. So here we go. Don't interrupt me. Experiment 27, try again, experiment 27. You have probably tried any number of things with your partner that did not seem to work. Anybody ever have that? You try something and it just kind of doesn't work. Right. So there's this thing that I I learned about natural medicine. We, you know, we've been born and raised in a culture which is you have an ailment, you go to the doctor, he gives you this pill, you take the pill and the ailment goes away. And this is our thinking, this is our approach towards healing or a positive future. Take a pill, and so in in natural medicine, in in so many approaches, it takes more more times than that. It takes more effort. It takes longer, which is not a bad thing. It's a practice. It takes a it's a space. It isn't a pill. So this experiment is maybe you try to have your partner tell you about their fears. Maybe you try. To relax yourself more and be happy while visiting with your in-laws, you know, their, their their parents, their family. Maybe you tried to relax yourself and be more vulnerable with them. Or maybe you tried to be more appreciative of the children's wildness. You know, there's many things you may have tried and it didn't work did not work out so well. So this experiment is to go ahead and try again. Without any excuse, without any justification, without a new reason, you just try again. You take a breath, shift, go, try again. And it could be even three seconds later. So you go, you go like this. You say, okay, and you just start over again from the beginning using what you learned about what did not work the first time in extraordinary human relating. New overs are allowed. You get to do it over. You just get to start again. Try again in the do over. Try even if the first time that you tried was only a few seconds ago, you might be surprised to find out how many possibilities are available in the next three seconds. So it's a it's a very powerful thing to say, would you be would you cook dinner for me? And they go, no, no I'm, no, I'm too busy now. And you wait three seconds. You go, center ground and bubble, connect. What about now? Would you be willing to cook dinner for me? And they're a whole other person. You know, there's a whole different thought in their head, a whole different feeling in their body, a whole different worldview. Three seconds later, you'd be surprised how often they go, yeah they change their mind about it so this is an experiment is to do is to try again simply try again and because probably your proposal is a really good idea the thing that you're offering the thing you're inviting to is really fabulous it's, it's transformational it's <clears throat> healing there's possibility in it there's there's new interesting things in it probably that's part of your idea And if you give up on it, if you you stop taking a stand for that possibility to exist, only after one try, I mean, come on, Thomas Edison tried fifteen hundred times before he got a light bulb to work, something like that, or three thousand times, or something, you know. So, I mean, I tried six or seven times before I got a really decent shoe fly pie together. To make a pie called a shoe fly pie. It takes some effort. So you just, so even even handshakes, you can shake somebody's hand, you know, and they grab your hand like this, you know, and they're shaking your hand like this. It feels horrible. There's no connection. You go. I like to try that again. And you try it. And you bring your hands together where you you know these two parts of your hand touch. And then then you hold. Then you shake hand and you build this golden ball of archetypal love in the palm of your hand between your hands. You know, you do that. And when you do that as a do-over, it's a completely different experience. So the experiment twenty-seven is try again. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I, I can see you. Michael, can you say something about that? Like why did you why did you say that? Why did you say that?
9: I I appreciate the the experiment because I have the story that nothing that i that I really enjoy doing happens at the first time, and it, it's a story, but I have that story, and I wear it to I wear it since i were, was a child and yeah I like doovers and i when you were when you were explaining about the the a handshake i like it landed in me a lot. So I, I could relate to that experiment a lot.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Michael, who are you sitting next
9: to? I'm sitting next to Kinu. Guy, yeah,
1: Kinu, Kinu, say something, Kinu.
7: <coughs> I started first with reading about PM before I even got to an ETB or a lab. And... As we met, I I told Michael about PM, and we started to read Sparks. And one of the first experiments we did together was this, use the clicker and do over. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So somehow I'm melancholic. It's it's like the the beginning of one of our first and longest experiments now.
1: Wow. Maybe you're nostalgic and not actually melancholic probably nostalgic yeah yeah thank you what a great story thank you god start over shift go do over (laughs) all right we did it we got to the end of section six something uh We're on a new page in a new section. And God, I'm reading the title of the new section. We are not going to start this today. It's called Ending an Extraordinary (laughs) Human Relationship. We are So we'll start that next year. And Chloe.
0: I have a proposal then. There's a section as part of the 27 experiment that's called And above all, Never Ignore Your Ignorance. So that could be the start of our new year. Yes. Go ahead. And above all, never ignore your ignorance. Do not forget that you are truly an expert at creating ordinary human relation relating. Do not forget your ignorance, ignorance and knowledge, darkness and light, scarcity and abundance. All the contrasting opposites come hand in hand. Do not, you do not get one without the other. Do not live in the fantasy expectation that you can only be the source of extraordinary human relating and that ordinary human relating is a thing of the past. Can a horse outrun its own tail? Can you dine in a five-star restaurant without making shit? Even if you do not mm-hmm. consciously choose action that create ordinary human relating, they are always at hand. The ignorance never leaves you. Even if you do the experiment from this book and you succeed at entering extraordinary or archetypal domain of relating, you can never ignore your well-oiled mechanism for enlivening shadow principles, lest they sneak out and stealthily devour your your hard-earned treasures. I I just want to add something in there is that... um, what I noticed in my own life is that when there's all this practice and this experimentation about creating extraordinary relating or archetypal relating or feeding your soul or whatever experiments you're doing, your, your gremlin is involved in doing those experiments and it, and it gets really fed by experimenting. But the more, uh, the more you shift into this unconscious competence of, um, N- not getting hooked, not fighting, not uh, throwing hooks, or not be- whatever, then your gremlin doesn't have as much work to do these experiments, to hold space. And so it gets hungry. And it's like, oh, let's have a little drama then, or like, uh, how is it going to feed? And so that's part of the um that it's always there. The gremlin is always there when it's, it gets hungry. So Ignorance is like a rabid dog. As soon as you stop guarding against a rabid dog, it will jump up and bite your ass. Trying to forget your previous and still readily available incompetences can be a rabid dog biting your ass if you turn arrogant or proud about the new soft skills you have learned. Becoming aware of what you were not aware of before can produce a superiority that the Tibetan Buddhist Bajrayana Master Chögyam Trompa called Spiritual Materialism in his book of the same title. Your hard-earned soft skill can be a justification used by your box for regarding yourself as someone who really knows something. I I wrote an article and it will come out soon as soon as I have access to Medium which is not available in Vietnam uh, in a couple days where it's it makes this distinction between um, patriarchy as a, as a, as a culture is a consumerist culture. So we learn to con to consume what is available. And I mean, what I'm he- re reading here, what seems is, it, I mean, in, in a way it's possible to consume our clarity to be like, I know. And so for, therefore I consume it to be, to be someone Then I'm, I'm something I'm something, and I'm someone, and I can prove to you that I know things. And that hierarchy is a creation-based culture. And 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 so, really, this thing about the moment I stop creating vulnerability, or the moment I stop creating connection, or transformation, or possibility, then hierarchy slips. And I'm back into just consuming what I know, or what I what I have. And it's about what I know and what I have instead of, hey, who, you know, okay, this person is having an emotional reactivity and is the best way to relate to this person to just point out you having an emotional reactivity instead of being, how how will I, how do I want to create the kind of relating that I want with this person instead of pointing it out? And, and so something for Dor and, and Gina that I thought of when you were talking is if you guys are together and you're nomad and meaning you don't, you don't go to work or you don't have an, an external circle of people to provide value, then you might, then all your clarity, all your, um, the energy of your bright principles, all your possibilities, all your life experience will be turned against your partner. You know, it needs to be used up some way. And if it's the only person you have available and it's not meant for them, your clarity, your life, your bright principle is not meant for your partner. And so really the um go use it somewhere else. Go deliver emotional healing processes. Go create projects. Go talk to people. And, and do that side by side with your partner, but don't, don't use what's coming through as here. You know, this thing, like we're holding space for each other, go hold space for other people. And then be with your partner, holding space for other people. Okay. Thank
4: okay. you. And, it's, can I ask you something about that? Go ahead. It It sounds very accurate to what's going on. And I, I noticed that that a lot of times it's like this energy of us is too intense and we direct it towards each other. And it, it turns into projecting on each other. And and then there is this reactivity, we're getting triggered. And and so my question is I I, I feel that in re, I feel sad because in relation in relating with, with Gina I feel anyways if we even if we do what you're saying it's like there is going together and our boxes are different and there's like we get triggered. Like we're trying to have culture to culture uh, or like how is it for you conversations, but they're still uh, getting triggered and then we cannot hold space for each other. Like I, I see her getting triggered or I getting triggered and I cannot hold space for an emotional healing process. It's something that you said, I think. And uh, you and Chloe or Clinton. So I'm, I'm like, what is the level of space holding that we do do for each other? Like, like we no, didn't
0: you, just you, go, you go on an adventure instead. Instead of talking about all this emotion, it, it, you just write it down. You know, it, whoever of you have an emotional reaction, you write it down in your beat book, and then you go for a walk, or you make pancakes, or you put some music on, or. It, do something else and try to process the emotions, you know. And it takes about twenty minutes for it to get out of your system. So, you know, go for a twenty-minute walk.
1: Like,
0: so. there's such a
1: beautiful opportunity that each of us has in the company of another person. And so we're using Dora and Gina in this example, but you guys have this opportunity to enjoy each other's company. And so, you know, door, that thing next to you, you don't even know what it is. You do not, every time you think you know what that thing is, you're wrong. You're killing an opportunity. And so there's a way of being next to that, a that live thing next to you, door, where, where what you get to do is be amazed, that's it. You get to be a ama- mate, you get to be in awe. You get to be startled. You get to appreciate this enjoy enjoy the intensity of the experience of that of that creature next to you, which is alive and well. There's nothing wrong or broken or harmed or anything about that thing next to you. It is alive and well, and it's interacting with the world, and you're part of that world, and you're lucky because in this moment, you get to have the five-body experience of that being evolving next to you, You of an evolving being next to you, and you can just be amazed about it. It's a full-time occupation to be amazed about that thing. And so, if you're doing anything other than that, you are—it's gremlin shit—and you just take yourself into some group and and get yourself hammered on because it has nothing to do with her. That thing is only amazing.
8: Thank you.
4: Thank you.
9: I have a question on that, because what I experience in the moment can, what Dor already said, also be emotional reactions, and often they are. So is it part of being amazed that I sit in a storm?
1: No. Part of being amazed is you go, holy simoleons, and you get on The phone or you go talk to the next go take me through this emotional healing process not kinu your men's group your, your three cell your ehp group you go to them immediately go unbelievable there's another one yeah and and every time every time that occurs for you you give her 20 euros You just hand her 20 euro cash it happened again and you go and do your process somewhere else that's it you just hand her 20 euros that's
9: it it. it. see okay
1: what
9: yeah thank you thank you for that that clarity because i was i was carrying this i think i heard the sentence of you about a hundred years ago that a man (laughs) a man sits in his underworld and now I'm sitting there in my underworld and trying to be amazed, which is kind of a not in my being.
1: Yeah, but oh wait, so Michael, that's a great thing what you're saying. And I don't claim to have said what you said that I said. I just so I don't I'm not saying that I said that. And
0: he just he just wrote it in no reason.
1: Uh, it wasn't <laughs> I thought that was book. me. It <laughs> wasn't me. I didn't write it. Oh so so. No, but to sit like, like, there's a like, we have this training the underworld's bad, the underworld's horrible, feeling liquid and groundless and, and being out of connection with it just feels horrible. And we think that we think that that's to be escaped, you know, to get out of that as quickly as possible. And that's, I don't know where that comes from. It comes from some fantasy world, has no connection to reality. Like, the point is, there's a hell world around you all the time. There's a middle world around you all the time, and there's an upper world around you all the time. So which world are you in? So it's not right or wrong or good or bad or smart or stupid to be in any of those worlds. There's no world is better than another world. And so if, you're, if you find yourself in this horrible reactive sticky like uncomfortable groundless you know space then the invitation is stay there don't don't try to beat yourself up don't try to correct yourself say i should not be here i'm not supposed to be here this is bad you know you just stay there you keep breathing go god this is intense when you get clarity about a fear, or a you know, a rage, you know, and you write it down. I'm angry because this, and that's the doorway to an emotional healing process. But the point is not to try to get out of the underworld because it's there. And so, if you're in, if you find yourself located in the underworld at a time, it's like, okay, here's. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has nothing to do with your partner. Zero. Because you could react. And, you know I have an almond sitting here, an almond, okay? It's in a shell, it's an almond. So somebody here could want to kill me because of this. <clears throat> this reminds them of their uncle, Stewart, who has an almond farm. And the guy's a fucking patriarchal asshole who abuses kids and, and he tried to make me eat almonds when I was a kid. I hate almonds and I hate you. Like you never know. It has nothing to do, nothing at all to do with the almond. You get this, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with your story world, with this incomplete thing in you, with your gremlin's source of gremlin food. It has to do with that. And so you stay there and you notice it. You go, ah, it's the seventh time I reacted to almonds this year. There must be something about almonds. Me and almonds, there's something going on. Hmm, like you use it for your self-observation, okay? It's a valuable thing, it has nothing to do with this amazing creature sitting next to you, so you're bringing this up. Did you get that, Mikhail? You were bringing that up.
9: Yes, yes. I, I get, I get two doorways. The first doorway to stay in my underworld, and the yeah. second doorway that that I can, I can reach out to somebody else, to my team, to my mancer, to whatever, to have a look and to gain more clarity or possibility out of where I'm in.
1: And life is rich that way. It's rich in those possibilities. And you never know when the next one's going to come around the corner and slam you in the side of the head. You just never know. And so when that happens, it's a time to embrace it. You know, like, what if what's going on right now is the best thing that could possibly go on right now for you, even if it feels horrible or bad or ridiculous or whatever. Like what, what hap- What about, what if you could have faith in your underworld? You could have faith in your underworld. You could have radically rely on the earth coincidence control office to have arranged for you to have shit in your face you know, to be reactive in public and go, oh, okay, okay. And, you know, and take radical responsibility for being where you are. And it's like the do-over thing. It's like the, it's like being accountable. Here is where I am. Here this is. And it has nothing to do with you. And, and just, and they say, well, how's it going? And you just account. Well, I feel this tension in my neck. I feel like, you know, biting somebody's head off. I want to run away and hide. I'm crumbling on the inside. My, my confidence doesn't exist. You know, my vision has just been smashed to pieces and I'm doing fantastic. Okay, nobody has to rescue you then. You know, it's nobody's fault. Nobody has to run away. You're still relating, you're alive and you're being accountable. So that's that's more the invitation.
9: Thank you for that invitation.
1: <laughs> and Chloe, you were going to say something.
0: I was going to say I'm just going to read through it so that we're done before time is <laughs> Ten o'clock. Wait, wait, but, where, where are you but, getting this
1: stuff? Where Where are you in the book? Two
0: thousand uh, two hundred and fourteen.
1: Okay, so you went all right.
0: I went above, go but on, I want to hear. Go, go. Well, wait. Um, Son, I didn't hear from Sonia, and I, I would like to hear from Sonia. So, yes,
6: I I want to share that during the last lab, I discovered the the power of choice. I was like, I had three different moments with Patricia where I was going into an emotion and she landed this distinction. Okay, you you can choose not to go there right now. And I experienced this in my body. And after that, I am doing this experiment whenever I'm going into reactivity with the person I am creating intimacy with or the spaces where I am. I am choosing not to go there. I notice it. And I write it on my bit book and I, I move on and it becomes faster and faster and I can choose. And this choice, it is so liberating and empowering. Mm-hmm. And yes, I want to share this and it's possible. It's possible. It's a possibility. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you hmm.
0: so now I want to add something to what you're saying I think one of the ways to not have access to that choice of the trigger is to make a story about being triggered like being triggered is bad or it's wrong or I did it you know I fucked up again and that it's it's like it's a separate it's a separate story from even the story of the trigger, but it just adds up on. And then it, the choices is completely gone. And yeah, just to, to, to to separate those two. And then it's easier to have access to that choice when it's neutral. Oh, like Clinton was saying, I'm try I'm radically relying on my underworld that right now I'm having this emotion and I don't need to play it out, play it out all the way.
1: And Chloe, would you read that part that you were going to read?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's long, so I'm just going to read the end of that it's, paragraph.
1: It's not so long. I think okay. you can just go for it.
0: Okay. Um, your hard-earned soft skills can be a justification used by your box for regarding yourself as someone who really knows something. You take a secretly haughty, haughty position from which you can look down over your nose disgustedly at those poor ignorant peasants around you. Before you know it, you will be mentally competing against others to find who is the best practitioner. Spiritual materialism is a seriously debilitating affliction and should be treated with full strength anti-memes the moment it is detected. Like now.
1: Anti-memes. 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 Yeah.
0: And... Okay. Okay. Another way your ignorance can bite you in the ass is if you judge your previous competence as bad. Judging the behaviors that produce ordinary human relating as bad and banishing them into forgetfulness is fanaticism. Fanaticism is the fantasy that I will never do this anymore. I never do this anymore. I will never do this again. Forgetting that you just a short while ago you did do exactly this. If you do it then you need you need to be fixed. The fanaticism will protect you from your own ignorance. The only thing that protects you from your own ignorance is diamond sharp clarity that behaviors are behaviors are neither good nor bad but that each behavior produces a different kind of result. Vigilant Consciousness means holding a sort of persistent awakeness about what behaviors you enact and why. The sword is presence of mind, paying relaxed but precise attention to your purpose, staying at the edge, edge, able to move in any direction. Vigilant consciousness is at the core of the term practice. The only thing that protects you in each moment from falling back into being a slave to the purposes of ordinary human relating is your practice. It is not like you can practice for a number of months or years and then achieve some kind of steady state, safety zone of mastery. Such mastery is an illusion presented by the box. The illusion is that the box can sacrifice To make a flurry of efforts and achieve a certificate of mastery, after which you can kick back and relax, assured that you're a responsible adult and will only create extraordinary human relating, it does not work that way. Ask any true master. Their answer will be the same. You will need to practice until your last breath. Happy New Year. (laughs) <laughs> and see you on the 10th of january 7 p.m at night
8: thank
0: you thank <laughs> you thank you thank you bye thank you
6: bye
1: bye guys